Yo, 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 what's up, what's up? This is Jamie Lynn, well now your host of Set Apart. This is episode two, and joining me today is my guest, Peter Lewis from Braveheart Ministries. I know that you're going to be encouraged. I hope that areas of your heart and your spirit and your soul are challenged in a healthy way to be more set apart with God. At the end of this podcast, if you love it, please rate it, leave a review, subscribe, and help share this and get the word out so that others can tune in and hear from amazing people that they may know, that they may not yet know, who are choosing to be set apart in the areas that they're called to in life. And you know what? I believe that you're called to be set apart and that you're choosing that as well as me. And so this is just to encourage you with the testimony of what God is doing in our life. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited that you are tuning in today and you are in for a treat. I've had a hard time understanding how on earth I was going to introduce all of you to Peter Lewis if you don't yet know him. He's incredible. And I was telling Peter before the interview, it feels kind of dangerous to interview him because every single time I hear Peter preach in person, it opens up the door for me to encounter God in a crazy way and it transforms my life. Because Peter has a way of preaching that can bring offense to some people who have been taught something that isn't true about the word of God. Because the simplicity of the gospel, Peter carries in a way that's like, it's so easy. God has it so easy for us to walk in righteousness and holiness and being set apart on this earth. And he's really gifted. The Lord's gifted Peter with this message. And I love it. And I really hope that when you hear him speak today, that it stirs in you this hunger and that it, and it busts open um, the truth of God, the word that's written on your heart for you to live in righteousness. So, Peter Lewis, what's up? Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Jamie Lynn. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, also, Peter, you, you are um, you're a part of Braveheart Ministries. You started Braveheart Ministries. I did. Not, not too long ago, you and I worked at Upper Room together. And anytime I have a character integrity question, I've called you. <laughs> and I'm and I'm humbled by that. It's amazing. Hey, you mean a lot to me. You really you're the real deal and I love how pure and set apart and consistent you are as a person. You're the same on stage as you are behind the scenes. And I I know your wife would say the same and I just I think that's amazing. I love your family so much and I'm so thankful. Thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, I'm honored. So fun. Get to catch up with you and talk about Jesus. What a joy. Okay. Amen. Well, I want you to share what Braveheart Ministries is, just a little bit about what you do. Like, what does your life look like right now? Because you were at Upper Room and you do speak at Upper Room. So what does life look like if if people don't know you? What do you do today? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I had a little backstory in, in 2010, I've been a believer most of my life. Uh, and from, a, I don't know, age seven, I gave my life to the Lord, prayed the prayer. Uh, but in 2006, I had a real amazing encounter with the Lord where uh, my faith went from black and white to living color. Uh, it was like, oh, you're the living God. Um, and that kind of set me on this journey where I was pursuing professional soccer at the time, uh, which was a dream and passion since I was a little boy. And so I was doing that. I was playing, uh, in Finland or I was about to go get my first professional soccer contract in Finland. 
Uh, and right before that, I had this encounter with the Lord that just set my heart on fire. Um, and that fire literally has been burning in my heart ever since it was, uh, it was in March of 2006. Um, and so about four years into that journey, um, I had, I had just wrapped up my professional soccer career a few years earlier. I was back in Dallas. I was working at a bankruptcy law firm and I just moved down uh, into Oakland to be a part of the upper room. And I was in my kitchen. I was unpacking uh, a bag. Uh, our kitchen and this this oil dumped all over my bare feet and immediately the presence of God filled my kitchen and I heard him speak to me and he said son I'm anointing your feet to to run with the gospel wow and I was like wow and I didn't really know what that meant and so I said Lord that's amazing I said but but the gospel that I heard growing up I don't know how to run with that message I don't know how to like I don't know how to articulate the gospel like I read about in the pages of my Bible. And so I prayed this prayer that's really marked me. And I said, I said, God, I said, um, if you teach me the gospel, like you taught Paul, because Paul says in Galatians one, he says, the gospel I, I taught that I preached to you, he says, I didn't receive it uh, from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it by revelation of Jesus. And so that was my prayer. I said, Lord, let me, let me, uh, preach a gospel that I received by revelation of Jesus. And so for about seven years uh, at the upper room, in the prayer room, uh, and just being in ministry, that was my one pursuit was God teach me the gospel uh, through a revelation of Jesus. And so Braveheart was birthed out of that uh, in 2015. Uh, I wrote my first book called Back to the Gospel, which was really that, that message uh, written really down. Good. And, and then, and then, yeah, so my, my life now, my ministry now is really geared towards the, the church, towards believers, uh, in, in preaching the, the fullness of Jesus, uh, to the church and seeing the grace of God and, and just the salvation of God come to the church because, because we need it. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. You know, it's so easy because you, you are, you are an evangelist as well. Um, like you, you do have a way of reaching those who don't know God, but there are a lot of people in the church who really don't know God because they don't even realize that they are living the black and white. Um, you know, like the lens is going to be lifted soon and they're going to be living in color. Like when you really know God, everything is like, life is amazing. It is so joyful when you really know God, like, like he's so real and he's so fun. He's not this like boring teacher in the word that's like, oh yeah, I believe in God. Like he's literally not just our father, not just Lord of everything, but he also wants to be our friend, which is legit. Right. Cause my friends are awesome, but he's the best. <laughs> Amen. So well said. So true. And I mean, I think what's, I think what's crazy about that is I have so much compassion because that was me. I, I had a head knowledge about God. I had a heart desire to know God. Um, but I didn't know him and I didn't know, uh, the Holy spirit, uh, the person of the Holy spirit. I didn't understand his role. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and two, I've realized in the last eight years, I've, you know, I've studied the gospel. I've, I've spent time in the word mm -hmm. and I've realized that the gospel is not primarily only a message for the lost, that it, it is literally God's discipleship curriculum to grow us up into the fullness of Christ. Yeah. Um, and that, that aha, 
uh, really gripped me. And that's really my unction as I feel, you know, Braveheart is not only to preach the gospel, but to raise up others who will go into the earth and, and proclaim the gospel, uh, not so just good. to the lost, but to, to the church as well. So That's so good. You know, the other night I had a dream. I think this is so cool. If you're listening in, like I know it, I, I don't think it's quite common to hear somebody stand in front of a church and say, my calling is to bring more like revelation to the church about who Jesus is because we really need it. I remember um, Heidi Baker a long time ago said one of the craziest places to minister the gospel is in the church here in America because it's easy for us to think we have it figured out when we don't. And the cool thing about listening to Peter is when he speaks, he has such humility because he knows what it feels like to, to not have that, like to not know the Holy Spirit yet. You know, he remembers what that's like versus what it's like today. So he has such compassion and love for all of us. And for me, like if, if you're listening and you're part of the church, there will always be more to be revealed about who Jesus is. There's always yeah. more. It never stops. It never ends. And we always need him no matter what. Like and when we can lean into that and really hear somebody like Peter who carries this message, everything will go further and, and you'll go so much further in life than you thought you could in areas you didn't know you needed to. It's just such a gift <laughs> to know God. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so and, true. There's not haves and haves not, have nots. And I think there's for too long in the church, it's been that like, oh, we have this or we have this manifestation. It's not about the gifts. It's yeah. It's really about intimacy with Jesus and the Bible is so full of promises about the fruit of being intimate with Jesus. That's all I want is I want people to, to step into that abundance, that fullness, the, yeah. the, the power, the purity and the peace that he offers us. That's awesome. I had a dream the other night that I looked at Michael Miller, who's the pastor of Uproom Dallas and one of our friends. And I looked at him and I just said um, that, I was like, I have a pure heart. And I was like, and it's so easy when you have a pure heart, it's so easy to reach the broken. Like it's so much easier to reach any human, like in, and in the dream, what it meant was when you know Jesus, like when you're his friend and you walk deeply with him, even though it was just a short sentence in my dream, it's like when you know him, it's so easy to love every single person. Mm -hmm. every single person no matter where they are and I believe you carry that so which leads me into this next question I have for you which is what this whole podcast is about which we've already mentioned briefly but what what would you say like how would you define righteousness what is it wow it's a big question um yeah I think righteousness is really important um for for us as believers and understanding it um righteousness to me is is rightness before God. Um, it's, it's that, uh, it's that state of having been, uh, almost judiciously by God declared that, that, uh, the, uh, the record that was set against us has been, has been canceled and that there's a rightness or a righteousness before God that's been applied to our life. Um, and, and it's really deep and it, and it's all throughout the, the, the new Testament. Um, and, and I have a passion really, uh, I have come alive, uh, to, to really, it's, you think, well, yeah, we all know what righteousness is, but, um, it's, it's, it's written so many times Paul references it. And I think, I think, and we all have a different concept of what we, 
we think it means. I just think for me, the visual I have is standing before God's presence and nothing inside of me shrinks back from God mm. because there's a rightness within me um, that he's given me as a wow. gift. And, and that's to me, the gift of righteousness is that we can stand again before God in his presence with confidence. Um, and I would say those are the two things that, you know, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but those are the, the two fruits. There's many, but two main fruits I see of someone who's really walking in righteousness or they, they have peace with God, meaning they live with a constant sense of having their sins forgiven, that they're clean, that their conscience is clean, but that they also have confidence uh, before God and before his presence. And I would be willing to say, hopefully, you know, uh, not, not to anyone's shame, but if you don't have those two things, um, there's a greater revelation of righteousness that God wants to give to you. Wow. That, that picture, like it gives me chills. I'm like, man, why did I bring you on here? I'm just kidding. I'm not even (laughs) going to make it through the interview. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm like, that is such a big deal to be able to like to to stand before God and to have nothing but like I'm here like oh wow like I'm here not to shrink back not to hide like it reminds me of the garden how Adam and Eve like they were hiding from him because they were afraid to see him because they did something that he asked them not to do you know like they were that's been coming up a lot in my life. Like it, it grieves my heart to think that we would ever hide from somebody we love or from the father. I don't know if yes. you can into that even more, but. Oh, now you got me started. You mentioned the garden. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean that, uh, you know, I've been studying a lot the fall and what happened at the fall and something amazing about the garden is that, is that when Adam and Eve hid, Um, it doesn't say that Adam didn't say he hid because he disobeyed God. Um, he says, he says, I hid his eyes were opened. The first thing that happened when they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is their eyes were opened and they saw their own nakedness and they saw, they saw for the first time themselves. See, before the fall, All Adam saw, Adam saw two things. He saw God, God breathed into his nostrils. He opens his eyes and he sees God, (laughs) which is an amazing thought. (laughs) You see, he's just, that's all he sees. He doesn't see his own nakedness. And then when, when God makes Eve, he sees Eve and he's like, wow. And he, and, and this is, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it says the two were both naked and unashamed. There was, there was no shame or an awareness that their nakedness was bad. But what happened with the knowledge of good and evil is that it gave Adam and Eve the ability, like God, to judge themselves. And so and so what happened was as soon as they ate the tree, Adam and Eve were both almost in a sense, they were given a a a divinity because that's what God says. He says in in Genesis 321, he says, behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And I remember reading that and I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean has become? That means they weren't, they, they weren't like God in that way before they ate the tree. Mm-hmm. And they became like God in a certain way that they were never meant to become. And so Adam judges his nakedness evil. And that's what causes him to hide from God's presence. And Jamie Lynn, I'll tell you, when I saw that, my mind was blown. My heart exploded because I thought, wow, I don't, I don't see it, it, that's a huge problem. 
because that's the root of humanity hiding from God's presence is that we have judged ourselves unworthy of his love and unworthy of his presence. We've judged ourselves and then we hide from God and then we commit all the sins that we associate with the fall of man. But what preceded, you know, Adam and Eve didn't immediately start wilding out, right? They didn't start murdering Mm -hmm. people. They, you know, even Cain and Abel, they were still offering sacrifices to God. It took time for sin to corrupt humanity. But the real root issue, and I I think this is what the gospel has to address in the heart of of the church, and this is where righteousness is so key, is that the real issue, I meet so many believers and they have a real awareness that their sins have been forgiven which means what they did apart from the presence of God, they, they've been forgiven by God, but they don't have a confidence to go back into his presence. Why? Because they still, they still see their nakedness and judge themselves evil. And when I say nakedness, I mean those areas where you feel inadequate. Wow. I mean those areas where you feel like you don't measure up to God's standard. And the beauty of the new covenant, the beauty of God's heart is he doesn't want us to see that. Yeah. He wants us to see righteousness. He wants us to see himself, which is why the gift of righteousness is so important, because it's literally a robe that covers our nakedness so that when we look at ourselves, we're like, wow, OK, I'm good. You can't, <laughs> you can't judge yourself evil anymore if you receive the gift of righteousness. Why? Because it's a divine gift. It's the nature of Jesus conferred upon us so that when we look at ourselves and are tempted to judge ourselves evil, we no longer can. Wow. We can't, we can't do it. And so that to me, you mentioned the fall is so crucial. And I believe this is the crux of where the body of Christ is at right now. I believe with all of my heart that the body needs a revelation of the righteousness of Christ. And I know that there's, there's messages being heralded and some of it's being perverted. People are claiming, well, I'm righteous and they're living in sin. That's yeah. an abomination. That's not right. The purpose, uh, and I'll, I'll say this and I'll let, we can, we can move on, but Um, This may sound crazy, but I I don't know if you've heard this, Jamie Lynn, but I I grew up hearing that God made us righteous for him. God says, well, I'm going to see you as righteous so that I can love you. I don't know (laughs) if you ever heard that. Mm -mm. Um, I heard that a lot, that that God makes us righteous so that it, it sort of it satisfies his wrath. The problem I have with that as I begin to ponder that was. It says that he he so loved the world that he gave his son, John three sixteen Romans Romans five eight says. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were sinners, and I thought, well, God God loved us. God didn't need to make us righteous to love us. He loved us when we were sinners because he saw who we we really are. So then I'm like, well, then why did he give us the gift of righteousness? And he spoke to me so clearly one day. He said, son, the gift of righteousness is for you. That's why it's a gift. He said, he said, because I want, I want you to wear it, to, to own it, to possess it so that you no longer hide from my presence. That's the purpose of, of righteousness is so that, so that mankind, sons and daughters of God, no longer hide from his presence. And we live perpetually with a confidence before God. Wow. Oh man. I'm burning with that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I seriously, like I have tills everywhere. Um, I feel like I'm so excited because for those of you listening in, I'm like, I have something to go dive into the word about now because my my whole lens just got shifted again. Listening to this in such a good way, I'm like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And I know a lot of people are wondering this and that are that are listening in. So 
how do you quote unquote get righteousness and how do you know you have it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think understanding is really important. Um, in Ephesians four, Paul says he's addressing the church and he says, guys, I don't want you to be, uh, like the Gentiles who are, who are darkened in their understanding and they're ignorant of the life of God. Why? Um, because they were, they were, they were still looking at themselves and he says, but that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you were taught as the truth is in him to put off your old man, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new man, which was created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That that right there, mm-hmm. I believe, is the prescription on how to, to be renewed in our minds. You see three things there. And this would be mm-hmm. the three sort of things I would I would I would help, you know, equip someone with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because it's a it's a mindset issue. Um there's a lot of doctrine in the church that says that wants us to embrace still that we have a sinful nature, a sinful identity. Right. Um, and that, that, you know, though in one sense has been doctored up and dressed up and it seems humble, it seems right, it seems true. The problem is, is it, is it undermines what Jesus did on the cross and it contradicts the glorious gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Um, believers, when they're born again, they're given a new nature. Yeah. Uh, John 1, we become born of God, not of the will of, of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. So we're born of God with a brand new spiritual nature, with which is as righteous and pure as Jesus himself. And that's given to us as a gift. So yeah. the first thing I think people need to know is they need to, they need to see and deal with the truth of the word of God. Uh, because there's some things like we have to repent of some of those mindsets. Mm-hmm. Just repent just means change our mind. Um, because if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin according to your belief. Yeah. Um, what we believe, it, it affects how we feel and it ultimately affects what we do. And so believers that think they're stuck in a sinful nature, um, they have no hope of ever being free from sin. And, and my Bible says that it was for freedom that he set us free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And that's what I want to see is people set free. And so here's the, here's the litmus test. I believe biblically, scripturally uh, for righteousness, you have peace mm-hmm. with God, Romans five. I'm not yeah. just pulling this out. It's from the Bible. <laughs> Therefore, having been justified by faith, justified is also, is it just, it's a, it's a legal declaration that we've been made righteous by God. That's what justified means. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so, so you know that you're, that you stand right before God, that you're walking in faith, uh, when you have peace with God. Um, and that's the other thing that's, I guess, worth mentioning is that, uh, Romans one says that the just shall live by faith or the righteous shall live by faith. So you cannot attain righteousness and you can't, uh, people will ask me like, well, Peter, if I'm righteous, how come I sin? Right. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, that's a that's a common thing. Well, like, how come I keep sinning if you're saying that I'm righteous and I'm not a sinner? That proves that our mind is set on the flesh, because the first thing we look at is what we do. Right. That means Mm -hmm. that means our identity. Now we're we're conditioned for our identity to flow from what we do instead of the spirit and the spiritual reality and faith, which is now as new covenant believers, what we're called to is to walk by faith. So right. the only way you're ever going to walk in righteousness is if you walk by faith in the son of God and who That's he is good. and what he's done. 
but peace and confidence, those two things are markers of someone who's actually walking uh, in the righteousness of God. And those things are cultivated by the Holy Spirit as someone deals with the word of God, as they deal with the gospel and let it change them, let it shape them and fashion them uh, into Jesus. Um, but those are the two fruits they can look for uh, is they'll have peace and they'll have confidence. I love that. You know, I was thinking um, when you were speaking about how many people I have heard say, well, we're just sinners, you know, it's just the part, of, you know, we are human. And I remember in um, before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I remember um, going to I was I was in Anchorage, Alaska on a mission trip my freshman year of college. And I remember this girl was like, well, and, and hear, hear me out. Like, I didn't fully have a grid for this, but I walked, I walked with God every day since I was little. Like, I just assumed I was talking to him in my head, not to myself. It's like, literally, since I started having thoughts. I never thought my thoughts wow. were to Jamie Lynn. My whole life, they've been to the Lord. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. I thought everybody did that until high school when I found out that wasn't normal. <laughs> and because um, it's my normal. But what is normal about me? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Good question. Girl, <laughs> but this girl across the way, we were having this deep conversation. You could tell she was wrestling. She was like, no, we are, we are human. We're going to sin. And I looked at her and I, like, I was like, what was the point of Jesus coming and showing us how we could live spot-free, sin-free if we're sinners? Like he literally showed up as a human to show us what was possible, the kind of freedom that we have access to. And I remember I had never really been taught that, but I knew that we weren't called to be sinners. Like I know, like I knew since I was little, it was possible to live without sin. Like I knew, or what was like, what's the point of knowing God if that wasn't a thing? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that's something that like, to me, I, I'm, I am passionate about the church knowing that too. Like, that the world is feeding us so much right now. And it's just, it's so, we're, so many people are desensitized to it that can actually, I believe, affect our journey because we're letting stuff in that we were never intended to see and that's just really not pretty. And so it makes <clears throat> people agree with the fact. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And I, you know, I think you know me pretty well enough. And I know we're on a podcast so everybody can see. But like, if, if you have a thought on this, I'd love to know because I'm down to be corrected always because I want to look more like him. So I feel like when people watch things on TV that have like a really lustful nature to it, or um, this is a, this is just a question I'm asking, I guess, when you're righteous, would you even watch something like that? And I know this is kind of extreme practical or like, would it not affect you? Because I've heard to two totally different camps, like, oh, that like watching something like that doesn't affect me or... Um, or I've heard I could never watch that because that's just, that's not something that is even on my radar. Right. That that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, first of all, just, I love the word so we can just read the word. Um, Psalm 101 verse three says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, it, it's it's worth less meaning meaning what's our value system um i think it's a, it's an admission to someone who says hey that doesn't affect me when i was younger in the lord certain things didn't affect me um my eye gate if you will what i look at uh i'm way more sensitive now 
um, as I've grown in the Lord, uh, I'm just, it's from a desire. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's a holy desire that as my mind has been renewed, the fact that the living God named Jesus Christ dwells in me literally by the Holy spirit. Um, I, I find it, I find it harder. There's an inner witness that tells me this is not what a son of God would watch if something would yeah. come before my eyes. Um, and I think the issue again comes back to, it's not a yoke you can place us upon someone. Um, it's my desire for the church is to see o- the obedience from the heart. That's a, that's yeah. a phrase from Romans six is Paul says, mm-hmm. You've, you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching, which you received. Wow. And and that's really my passion. And that takes time to father yeah. and disciple people to a place where they come to a revelation and understanding that Christ is in you. Yeah. Um, and when you when you accept that, when you when you really receive that, that you've been given the gift of righteousness and we can actually believe that about ourselves and that that honors God when we believe that we're righteous as he's righteous. It it does it. It it changes our behavior in a way that, that couldn't otherwise. And it, and it happens by grace. Yeah. That's how, that's how we're saved. And it's how we're sanctified is by the grace of God. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think there's a lot of compromise uh, in the church, but once again, I go back to, I have compassion because if someone believes they're a sinner yeah. um, or they have a false identity or they're just there, there's this cultural expression of Christianity that allows us to stay in a level of brokenness and depravity yeah. Um, that's not okay. Um, and that's what I burn for is I want to present a gospel that confronts that reality, that confronts their, their capacity to know Jesus and to walk like Jesus. Yeah. I think that that's a key that I'm hearing you say too, that I'm, I'm really passionate about this. Like, you know, we sin according to our beliefs. Well, you can't just stop sinning. Like if you're, if you are in sin, you can't look at the sin always some people have before don't get me wrong but i mean jesus truly is the only way like when you're walking with him daily and you become friends with the holy spirit it literally like my every single month i can see measurable fruit in my life and my husband's life because something we thought was okay one day is no longer okay today and it and it truly keeps transforming more and more and could seem more extreme but the thing is it's not something we're focusing on it's just something that naturally happens as we continue to walk with God and I love that that's the key is as a Christian um, being aware that we don't have room to like judge our friends who are participating in things that we wouldn't we have it makes room for us to trust that as they continue to walk with God that will stop you know if somebody's in a burning building please tell them (laughs) like if somebody's doing something that's like I, I totally believe in addressing difficult conversations with friends because I think I would hope somebody would do that with me. And I think there's a way to do it in humility and love that brings people closer together. But I also love what you're saying. Like, um, we truly like there's nothing in action. Like we can't focus on the action. You have to focus on the heart before God, too. And that's the key is that you would want people's hearts burning before him because that's the answer. <laughs> that's yeah. The only times I've ever experienced true transformation in Christ was when I was walking with him and it happened over time or a significant encounter where my heart was just burning and I came out of it totally different with like permanent long lasting fruit. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's important to highlight. Cause I, I've, you know, 
I've experienced that. Like I said, in 2006, I had an encounter with the power of God, the presence of God. I was literally laid out. I mean, I was a Bible church kid. I didn't know about any of this stuff, you know? And so I I was laid out and I literally felt the tangible physical presence of God coursing through my hands and my chest and my face. I was laughing. I was being delivered of a pornography addiction and it was Mm -hmm. like this power encounter But then since that, I've had other encounters here and there, but the primary way I have been transformed, shockingly enough, is through the renewing of my mind. (laughs) And that's Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that, that has very simply been a process of taking extended time in the word of God, allowing the word to prune and to correct false thoughts I have about God and myself yeah. and, and allowing it to have authority in my life. And, and when I do that, when, when anyone does that, what we're doing is that's called faith. We open ourselves up for the grace of God and the grace of God is the power of God to save us. It, it will not only take away the negative effects of sin, that's what grace does, but it also confers upon us the beauty of Jesus because mm-hmm. you know, it's the very substance of the spirit himself, the grace of God. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Um, and that's my desire. When a believer gets stagnant, um, it's because they've stopped dealing with 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 Jesus and they've stopped dealing with his word. Yeah. Um, and so the flow of his grace has stopped. If, if someone's still struggling with a with a with an addiction or some sin habit and they've been a believer for 10, 15 years, um, there's a, it's a, it's a grace flow problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that grace only flows from what Jesus has done and who he is. Yeah. Um, and so that's ultimately, if you can connect those dots for that heart and go, okay, this is what Jesus has done. This is who he is. That grace will flow and it'll break that thing off of their life. That's so good. You know, two, two and a half years ago, I think when we were speaking, remember when the last conference I directed at upper room, when you preached on a Friday night and then the next afternoon I hit the floor for hours and I couldn't get up and the Lord Mm. took Jesus came up to me and he took my heart out of my chest and he put a new one in and he looked at me and he said to keep this whole and spotless because he put something in me that was perfect which Mm -hmm. is hard hard for some people to gossip but he was like this is perfect the only way for it to stay this way is to water it by my spirit and to feed it with my word and I knew that those two things had to go together, like a daily, a daily thing for the heart to stay. Yeah. He put it in my chest. And it was almost like, to me, I totally agree with you. Like I've had these moments where it's like, okay, that, that moment totally marked and changed my life. And for the first time I spoke about it, um, a couple of weeks ago at the women's conference, the bloom conference at upper room, but it was the first time I was released to really talk about it. Cause it was so deep. It was hard to talk about to people, mm-hmm. but my life has changed drastically from it, but it stayed changed because every day I water my heart and my mind with the spirit and the word of God, because mm-hmm. it is truth. And this world can be so loud that when I have the word so active and alive in me every day like that, it's just, it's like, the things that normally would have been tempting are like disgusting kind of, I don't know what other word to use, but because, because, but it's like a natural thing. It's not like, I don't know how to explain it, but to me, that's what has changed my life is the spirit and the word, the importance of both of them together every day. 
Yeah, that's so good, Jamie Lynn. So true. I mean, that's my, you know, I've got this vision. I, I, I often think about Adam and Eve before the fall and how, how impossible it would have been for them to do something wicked. You yeah. ever thought about that? Like, because God, <laughs> God made them, they didn't have a sinful bone or a rebellious bone in their body, right? Yeah. They, they were perfect. And so if you had gone up to Adam, you know, let's go say Adam and like, Adam, I want you to, you know, kill, you know, kill someone. He, he would, he, he physically would not have known how or what to do because it wouldn't have like, been what in his heart. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he, he was, it would, he would be incapacitated. He would be unable to do sin. Why? Because he, he wasn't sinful. He was, he was God's perfect creation. Um, and that's really the, the vision that's dawned in my heart for the bride and what Jesus has done. If we truly allow our sinfulness to be crucified on that cross and buried with him, which there's so many scriptures that invite us into that union, you know, Galatians two, I've been crucified with Christ, Romans six, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. You know, if we truly allow our sinfulness, everything that was corrupted in us from the fall of man to be nailed to that cross 2000 years ago, buried with him. And we identify with his resurrection and we walk in newness of life. It takes time, but man, that like I have had, I I've shared this with some of my friends and I know what you're saying, but I've had instances where, you know, again, this is, this is a sanctifying process. Hopefully people understand this happens by the grace of God, not because I or you or some super Christian, yeah. it's because Jesus has done a lot of work <laughs> yeah. and he's provided a lot of grace and a lot of his spirit to form himself in us. And as Christ has been formed in me, I mean, I remember there's times where I'll literally, I'll, I'll feel like acting out in anger or frustration over a certain situation and I'll feel the emotions of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In that moment. And I'll go to like say or act upon those emotions. And I literally can't. I'm yeah. like, I can't, I can't do it. It's not becoming for a son of God. And it won't come yeah. out of my mouth or that, that action won't happen. Yeah. And that was, that was so cool to me because it was literally like the righteousness of God was confining me more than the, the, the external law ever could. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. my desire is to see that. And you and you just articulated that about your heart and getting a new heart. Yeah. Um, that's, that's that. it right there. You know, I've experienced that in marriage. It's, it's really cool too. Like <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in one environment and I'm in a totally different one, but because of what Jesus has done to me, <laughs> like I feel like a victim of the blood of Jesus, like for real. So like when I communicate to people about what, how I live my life, I'm like, literally what I'm telling you, I can't help. I don't look at you and I don't say, I'm not judging you for not being, for not living this way. Like for me, I, I used to live this way and I can't anymore. And it's not something I tried to do. It just happened to me. But even like with my husband, it's like, there's, it's so cool to be able to abide in Jesus and knowing how I would have reacted five years ago isn't even it's not even there anymore. I'm like, right. Whoa, this is God. This is so cool. Like, um, and to me, I, I love experiencing even the measurable fruit of, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that too, where you're in a situation where you just, like you said, you would have responded one way in the past and you're like, well, that's how, you know, you have good fruit. Like he's doing something. He's, he's, um, 
transforming your heart and your mind because you're you can't do what you used to do <laughs> right so true i want to i want to share something to people that are, that are listening that may feel like well what if i'm still sinning what if i'm yes, you know i don't and i you know this this changed my life i mentioned that for years um i had a, a lust and pornography addiction and um this this revelation right here out of first john 2 it it changed my perspective and how I approached God when I screwed up. Um, because, because this whole thing we're talking about doesn't mean you can't, it doesn't mean that if, if you screw up, God's angry with you or, um, (laughs) that you have no hope. Um, one of the hardest things I struggled with is that I, I kept doing what I knew was wrong, but I hated it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I hated I hated my sin because I was a Christian, but I kept doing it. And that that dynamic right there produced guilt, shame and condemnation where I started yeah. to believe, well, maybe I don't want to be free. But deep, deep down, I actually wanted to be free. Yeah. And I would and I and I hated that I was stuck in this sin. And there's a lot of believers I meet that are that way. And I want to tell them this. Um First John two says this, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, if anyone does sin and it says, if not when there's another little, little That's interesting cool. note, you know, he, he's, he's saying, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. That's amazing. But yeah. if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And an advocate is a helper. And so when I saw that, I, I thought, wow, you're telling me, God, that that when I'm when I accidentally fall and I get deceived and my heart gives way yeah. to temptation, you're not presenting yourself to me as a judge. You're presenting yourself to me as an advocate, as a helper. Yeah, I thought that is incredible. Right. Jesus is not on the other side of the table going, all right, son, all right, daughter, figure it, get your act together. Why are you don't have more faith? Why don't you this? He's actually on our side of the table, table, advocating for us in our weakness. And it says that he's Jesus Christ, the righteous. So he's not a sleazy advocate. He's a, he's a righteous, holy uh, helper by the Holy spirit. And, and, and that's my prayer for people. And I, you know, people that are in a continual sin pattern or habit, Jesus is actually praying and having a conversation to the father about your life. And he's helping you. He's, he's praying for you. Yeah. And he's saying, Father, remember when so-and-so put their, their trust in me and when they got born again and this behavior that's in their life, this is not who they are, God. Let's, let, let us remind them of our love for them. Like he's, yeah. he's helping us in those moments of failure and weakness, not despising us, not saying, well, you should know better by now. Yeah. And I just want to tell people that voice that you hear that says you should know better by now is from the pit of hell. Yeah. Jesus never talks that way. He's yeah. a helper. So I don't know. I just felt gripped with that that's by the good. spirit to share that because that's really that's important really... in all this talk. That's good. I was sitting with a friend the other day and she's, she was talking about how she's really like, if she messes up and when I say messing up, it's like not, it's like cynicism. Uh, don't get me wrong, but she's like really hard on herself. And like, it's like shame comes in, all this stuff comes in. And I looked in her, I was like, when a toddler is walk, learning to walk, right? Like when a toddler's mm-hmm. walking and they fall, does the parent scream at them and tell them that they can't believe that they fell? And does the toddler start screaming and crying uncontrollably? Because no, they get back up and they keep walking because one day they're going to walk. 
And it's like with God, I feel like it's the same picture. It's like somehow there's this place where it's as simple as, whoa, I fell. That's not who I am. God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And you keep walking and trust that that thing will, it, that thing will not be there one day. Like you won't have yes. to battle that thing forever. You just keep walking with him and towards him. And he's so kind to like help us stand back up, remind us who we are sometimes even and keep going, you know, like he's a really good God. Like he really is. And I love that picture of Jesus because it makes it even more applicable. Like he would come and lift us up and keep walking with us. Yeah. What you said was so key there, Jamie Lynn, the person has to acknowledge that's not who I am. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. if, if I'm a baby, if I'm a baby Christian, a baby, someone who's been, I'm, I'm a baby born of God, right? Like I've just yeah. been born of God. And I'm, if my perspective is that I'm learning to walk in righteousness. And so if I screw up, I'm like, Oh, wow. I'm still, I'm still growing in righteousness, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The perspective mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm a, I'm a toddler learning to grow. I'm a baby Christian learning to crawl, learning to walk versus yeah. I'm a sinner who keeps failing God. And I just yeah. keep needing the mercy of God. See, that's yeah. such an old covenant mindset. Yeah. And we treat the blood of Jesus like the blood of a bull or goat. And we, and we, we keep screwing up and we go, well, Jesus, we just need your blood again. And I need your forgiveness again. And that's not the, that's not the glory of the new covenant. That was the glory of the old covenant was yeah. you screw up and blood has to be shed. The new covenant is behold the lamb of God who takes away your sin, makes you brand new. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now we can have that new perspective and that you just mentioned it so off cuff, but I wanted to highlight that that person says, no, wait a minute. That's not who I am. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I love, I love that. I love this so much. I, when I, when I hear this, like my heart for everybody tuning in is that you just feel encouraged and strengthened by the word of God. I love Peter. Peter's like, I'm not just making this up. And he's, you know, he's been diving in the word consistently the past eight years studying it. He can tell you where it is. And I love that. I love that about you. And um, for me, that's something I'm growing in is being able to say, okay, this is where it is instead of like flipping it open, but there's patience in the journey. And it, it gives me hope and excitement to know, oh my goodness, one day I'll be able to just be like, boom, it's here. <laughs> like, I think that's really awesome. Um, it makes me feel like a baby. baby Amen. Christian. I've got, um, a, I've got a baby and she's precious and she just eats and nurses and she's amazing and she's going to grow oh. up and be awesome. Yes, she is. Um, it's so weird when you said that, cause I was thinking Faithy, but Faithy's definitely not a baby anymore, which is she's so my, crazy. She's my big baby. Yeah, she's your big baby. I love her so much. I love your family. Well, let me let me just um, can you can you pray over everybody tuning in? I mean, they may be in their cars driving around. They might be at home. They might be working out. Whatever their flow is, do you just want to pray over them? Yeah, absolutely. This has been awesome, Jamie Lynn. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank um, you. Yeah, Father, I just pray right now that a picture of Jesus, high and lifted up. Uh, would be brought into the hearts and minds of everyone listening to this podcast, that they would see uh, their brokenness, their sin, their sickness, their addiction nailed to that cross right yeah. now, that fresh faith would be birthed in their hearts. Great grace would be poured out upon them. And God, that they would allow by the spirit of God, that every last bit of their brokenness that they have been wrestling with uh, these last mm -hmm. years, every sickness, every disease, every broken relationship, they would allow it to be nailed 
to Jesus, yeah. that, that Jesus yeah. and what he did on that cross would be bigger than all of their brokenness. Yeah. And that as they watched their sin placed upon that cross and they'd watched him, him be buried, they would see that their sin was buried in that grave, never yeah. to come up again. And Father, I pray for those listening by the Holy Spirit that they would uh, have an experience and an encounter where they actually uh, feel once again, they're reminded of that born again experience where they come up out of that grave and they look back and they go, wow, I'm clean. I've received that robe of righteousness. I've received the, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, uh, as a gift of what is to come. And yeah. so, Lord, we commit them to your spirit. We commit them to your grace. Uh, form your son in them, bless them and give them peace. God, let that peace and that confidence come into them right now uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Peter, thank you so much. You, I really want to make sure people can connect with you. And if you thought this was awesome, which I definitely did, you have a podcast. I have a podcast. Yep, I do. And it's called Braveheart Ministries. It's called the Braveheart Podcast. Okay. The Braveheart Podcast. So if you're listening in, please go find the Braveheart Podcast. And it is Peter preaching. I was listening it to the other day, driving, and also then when I was working out. It's just so amazing to be able to turn on the Braveheart Podcast and be able to listen to um, the heart of Jesus in the sermons that Peter's preaching. So I really encourage you guys to do that. He does have a book called Back to the Gospel. It's awesome. And I encourage you to go find it. Um, do they find it on your website or do they, can they find it on Amazon? How do you encourage? Yeah, to it's, find it's on Amazon so they can buy it on Amazon. If you go to my website, it'll take you to Amazon. So either way. Awesome. And then where can people find you and get a hold of you? <laughs> yeah, they can go to braveheartministries.org and I've got a lot of teachings there. And, and that really is our heart is just to equip and encourage people. So there's a ton of just blogs and podcasts and teachings on the website. It's updated it on a weekly basis. Uh, and then people can email me there or whatever. So your website's amazing. It's oh, really cool. Like it, people you. will spend time on there. I think it's really unique. I hope they do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Peter. If you guys are tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, this new podcast and write, um, a review. If you feel led to write a review, leave a review. I'd love it. Um, and just share this with people. I really desire to bring people on like Peter Lewis, who are in every sphere of influence, who are choosing a life that is set apart with God in every way, in every form. And so I can't wait to see um, who we get to bring on this season and episodes to come. But Peter, thank you so much for your time. I love you. And I hope you guys are encouraged. And I will see you all guys next Wednesday for the next episode release, I guess. I won't see you, but you'll hear it. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie Lynn. You're amazing. Thanks, Peter. Love you, man. Thank you. All right. Later. Bye.